and welcome to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast. My name is Jesse, and I'll be your host. So on today's episode, we are going to be celebrating a little movie because of the day that this is being released. Um, so happy Valentine's Day to all of those. Um, not that I think it's like a real holiday or anything, really. But, um, you know, why not? Uh, but I decided I'm going to cover a little movie from 2001 um, that has a certain place in my heart. Um, we're going to be covering today 2001's Valentine. Now, this movie... The reason it has a certain place in my heart is because I watched this when I was a uh, little baby child back in, you know, it was like nine or ten or something. And I remember seeing the trailer for this movie, which, you know, was uh, like a girl sitting on like uh, the ground, the grass. And she was like uh, taking petals off of a flower and saying, he loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. And then all this. And then it was like, um, it's like little fucking like, you know, trailer or whatever. And I thought I, I think I saw it on like maybe like the 13 ghosts like dvd or something i don't remember exactly but i will say that i remember seeing that trailer and i was like oh shit this is gonna be this is gonna be scary shit oh my god um and well you know now we're here but uh you know overall like um but valentine definitely i saw this when i could like rent it you know uh at the video store and all um this is very much in, like, the pantheon of, like, you know, like, it makes sense with, like, 13 Ghosts, you know what I mean? Or, or like, House on Haunted Hill, or any of these things, even though this is not necessarily a remake of anything, except it's kind of a loose, but not even really, adaptation of a book, uh, really. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit, but, yeah, that's that's pretty much what, what this was. But I, uh, I, you know, this movie just has a certain level of... Um, just craziness kind of a little bit um and uh, there's a lot of uh a couple of plot holes going on here and there but like you know it is very much this early 2000s slasher movie and i think it's kind of garnered a level of uh of a cult following and it's something where a lot of people have definitely taken it as like you know something they watch every year in valentine's day and and all of that and um I don't own this or anything, although maybe I, I would pull up. I think it's a crime that it is currently not streaming for free somewhere. Um, I just think it's crazy. But like, again, who am I? Whatever. But uh, but yeah, but we're going to talk a little bit about about Valentine today. So as we normally do on the show, we're going to talk a little bit about the production of this movie, the cast and the crew, the critical reception, all that fun stuff that we're going to do. Um, but without further ado, let's move on to the figures of the film. So, Valentine was released February 2nd of 2001, so currently it is uh, celebrating, like, how many years is that? Was it 22, 23, 24? So, what, it's like 20, I don't know, it's like 24 years old, something like that? I can't do math. Um, Wait, when I really think about it, okay, so 22, 23, 24, so it's 23 years old, okay, so I did math, good, good, good job. But anyway, so... um. But yeah, 23 years old, fun, fun, loving it. Um, 96 minute movie, so it does get in and out pretty much, which is nice. Uh, this was a Warner Brothers picture studio. We'll talk a little bit about, you know, uh, where it initially started, but it was distributed by Warner Brothers. And then it had a budget of about $29 million. So that's what we're looking at for that. 
Um, the weekend opening weekend ranking gross of this movie domestically was at number two with about I think it was ten million something dollars. I had it in my notes and then it rudely went away. Um, so. But yeah, I'm pretty sure it was at number two, about ten million ish or so dollars. I think it's ten million, ten point six or something like that. Um, I really wish that my notes didn't just like do that, but okay, it's fine. Um, so it pretty much came in at number two when it opened, which was cool. It ended up making about twenty million three hundred eighty four thousand one hundred thirty six dollars domestically, and then. Um, Internationally, it made about sixteen million three hundred million three hundred thousand dollars. Um, so that's cool. And then altogether, it made about thirty six million six hundred eighty four thousand one hundred thirty six dollars. Um, so needless to say, this didn't exactly uh, wasn't a critical success. Uh, it wasn't a critical success, and it was also not a financial success either. But you know, that's what primes it from being a cult movie, baby. Um, and then in terms of reviews, we're looking at an 11% on Rotten Tomatoes for about uh, 79 reviews, and then a 33% uh, from audiences with about 50,000 reviews, and then a 2.6 out of 5 on Letterboxd. So this movie in particular, this is directed, this is the second um, directorial effort of Jamie Blanks, who he has uh, been covered on the show before, where I covered Urban Legend back uh, early in the show, so go listen to that if you want to, but um, yeah, talk a little bit about him on there, and I, I can mention him a little bit more when we talk about the production of the movie and kind of talk a little bit about that. But, you know, he did this movie, an urban legend. He also did a movie called Storm Warning. And he also did a remake of an Australian movie called um, Lost Weekend or something like that. So that's cool. He's an Australian. Um, and so... He's kind of been known for that, but he's also a composer as well. He has done some composing for um, films and stuff, which is really cool. And then the writers of this movie, so there are about, uh, I guess you could say there's like, well, there's two sets of writing partners of this movie, okay? So uh, the first one is Gretchen... um, Jay Berg and Aaron Harberts, who we'll talk about them in a little bit. Uh, and then you have Donna and Wayne Powers, who I think were married or something. Um, and they were the other set as well. So again, it's these two sets. Now with Gretchen and Aaron, um, they are friends from college. Aaron's actually gay and um, Gretchen is not, but at least I don't think she is. But anyway, they are known for this movie. They literally like helped write this movie pretty much. And then Donna and Wayne powers are the ones who, um, they also get credit for this. Now they actually did. Um, they actually wrote the, uh, movie, the Italian job. And then they also wrote, um, deep blue sea, which I think I'll do deep blue sea sometime next. Um, not, not I'm doing it probably this year actually, but yeah, we'll, we'll get around to that. Uh, excited for some shark movies, baby. But anyway, so, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about just like um, the writing of this as well, because needless to say, unfortunately, that's kind of a weak part of this movie, to be honest. Um, but, you know, 
that's just my opinion. But uh, anyway, then you have Don Davis, who is the uh, music on this movie. He did the music. Um, he is from, uh, he did The Matrix, and also The Matrix Reloaded. Um, he also did House on Haunted Hill, and he also uh, did The Babysitter. Or, no, sorry, he did um, Bound as well. He was the music on all of those movies. So that's pretty cool. Um I was going to talk uh, the cinematographer of this movie, who's a very well-known cinematographer, by the name of Rick Boda. Rick Boda did The Babysitter uh, with Alicia Silverstone and Carrie Elways, but also shot House on Haunted Hill, the remake from 1999. He also did Demon Knight from 1995, uh, Tales from the Crypt Presents Demon Knight. And he also did Barbed Wire, Barbed Wire as well with Pamela Anderson. So he, wrote, he shot all of those. So that's kind of cool. Um, so he did shoot this movie. Um, and then we have Steve uh, Merkovich, uh, who is the editor of this movie. And he actually edited I Know What You Did Last Summer. He also edited uh, Con Air, um, the Escape Room film um, that came out like in 2018 or something. And he also edited The Passion of the Christ as well. So that's what he did. Um, so that's like the cast I was able to, uh, crew I was able to find. Let's see if there's anybody else who's, like, of note, I guess, on here. Um, so, Dylan Sellers was the producer of this movie. He produced, like, Do Revenge and also, or no, sorry, Palm Springs, my apologies. Um, I'm looking on Letterboxd right now and there was, like, a poster that looked like Do Revenge's poster, but it's not that. He did Palm Springs. Um, but he also did a Cinderella story. Um, he did this film. He actually was involved in the other Cinderella story movies as well. He also did Agent Cody Banks, which is kind of fun. So that's him. He was a producer on this movie. Um, also, Jim Rowe was as well, although he didn't really do a whole lot in general anyway. Um, so, you know, it's probably because they were like Warner Brother people, to be honest. So there's that. Who's Bruce Berman? So he's an executive producer on this movie. He seems like he'd be somebody who's done a lot. Yeah, he was the chairman and CEO of Village Roadshow. So he did, like, executive produce, like, The Great Gatsby, Joker, The Matrix, all that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah. Lisa Beach. Yeah, Lisa Beach. Uh, she is the casting on this movie. So, of course, that makes total sense to me. Um, if you don't already know, I've talked about Lisa Beach before, but she did casting for, like, Scream and this movie and, like, a lot of the other teen movies at the time. Jawbreaker, all this shit. So, needless to say, yeah, that's what we're looking at uh her and sarah katzman um and candace elzinga um who i don't really know who that is but she also helped cast as well and uh, let's see who else who else anybody else fun uh nothing too crazy i don't think it looks like um of course there were some stunts in this movie as well so you have like um doug chapman who i think he as i think i've talked about him on the show before he was the one who did like elf and watchmen and uh, white chicks and all this stuff snakes on a plane Oh, yeah, he did do Disturbing Behavior and Bones, and he did a lot of those stunts. He's kind of a, a guy who does stunts, I guess. He's done quite a bit um, in the, the film sector, if you will. Anyway, so there's that. Yeah, that's, like, the, the main, I guess, like, crew of the movie that, you know, I wanted to kind of shout out and talk about. Um, but then we're going to talk about the cast of this movie. So we have... Um, <laughs> so we have... 
Denise Richards in this movie playing Paige Prescott. Um, she, of course, is from Starship Troopers. She was in Greg Rocky's Nowhere, Drop Dead Gorgeous, Wild Things, Tammy and the T-Rex, all of that good stuff. Um, this is also a, a shining a movie for her. Uh, but she does not... Li- uh, spoilers, by the way. But, um, you know, she doesn't live until the end, unfortunately. Uh, that is Marley Shelton's job. Marley Shelton plays Kate Davies in this movie. So she's from, like, Scream um, 6 and Scream 4, but also is in, like, Death Proof with, um, from Quentin Tarantino. Uh, also, she's in, like, Pleasantville. Uptown Girls, Sugar and Spice, uh, all the things. Uh, the Sandlot, you know, just being Marley Shelton. Um, but yeah, so Marley Shelton's kind of our good girl, if you will. And and actually, she's our final girl. So yeah, uh, David Boreanaz, who plays uh, Adam in this movie, who is Kate's ex-boyfriend that she broke up with. Um, he is from Angel, so he plays Angel. Uh, and he's also in Bones, I believe. So that's fun. Um, I don't really know much about David Boreanaz, so, you know, whatever, go off, sis. Um then we have Jessica Capshaw, who is uh, Dorothy Wheeler in this movie. Um, she is, uh, well, she's the stepdaughter of Steven Spielberg, uh, or was, might still be, I don't know, actually. But she was in a couple of different movies. She's actually in View from the Top. Um, if you've ever seen that movie, because it just like lives in my brain for some reason, she's actually like uncredited, I think, in the movie, actually, technically. Um but she is one of the other flight attendants, like one of the fancy flight attendants or something that like uh, Gwyneth Paltrow comes across or whatever. That's her. Uh, she hasn't had much of a um, a movie career. She was much more on TV and stuff like that because she was like on um, Grey's Anatomy and like The Practice and stuff like that. So yeah, that's what she did. And then Jessica Cofield, who has also been in a couple different movies I've covered. Um, well, at least one. She was in um, Legally Blonde. She plays Margot. Um, she's also in Debs and White Chicks and all sorts of things. Jessica Cofield, I hope you're doing well and I hope you're okay. Um, I always just hope that these actresses who I don't see them in a ton of things now and I just want them to be okay and be all right, you know? And then Katherine Heigl is in this movie as well. She's from Wish Upon a Star. Um, she was on Grey's Anatomy, all sorts of stuff. So, um, yeah. And she recently just came back for uh, the Emmys where they did like that Grey's Anatomy like reunion thing. That's cool. Um, but yeah, and she is not in this movie that much. But you know what? Okay. <laughs> Uh, and then Hedy Burris is in this movie. She's more of a TV actor. She doesn't have much of a... Um, a film career to speak of not that much um and she actually is uh ruthie in this movie um and she's actually the voice of yuna from final fantasy 10 i think it is um and so she has also um she's been able to i think do that voice for a couple different things for the final fantasy universe which is kind of cool um but yeah and then that's, like, who is of note, I guess. There's not a ton of people. Um, Johnny Whitwether is another one. Um, he's been in, like, he mostly is probably known for being in Empire Records. He's in that movie, and he's also in Can't Hardly Wait, apparently. Um, so, but he was, like, kind of a, I think he was, like, a TV dude, apparently. That's what it seemed like to me. Um but yeah, oh, and then who's this guy? Fucking Gary. He's creepy as shit. Um, 
well, he was in Valentine. He's in this movie. I don't know what else he was in. He does, it does, I don't know what these other movies he was in are, so I'm not even going to worry about it. You're good. Anyway, so yes, that is our cast of the movie as well. Um, so that's kind of like the ones to, to talk about, to shout out a little bit, um, and all of that. So I think before we move into any kind of a uh, plot breakdown or any sort of other character breakdown or whatever the hell, uh, we do have to talk a little bit about this movie and um, what well, we have to talk about, like, you know, where does this movie come from? So this is technically a movie that is based on a book from Tom Savage um, called Valentine. Now, I will recommend and I will say I... Uh, I'm not the I'm not I'm not like reading a book for the podcast necessarily. I don't know about that, but um, I will say that um, uh, there's a podcast called Movie Dumpster. If you've never already heard of them, um, they actually did a really good job, um, and I will point you in the direction of that video. Um, they actually did a great job with uh, talking about Valentine and actually talking about what makes. Uh, different from the book to the film and they actually have a friend of theirs from the podcast uh turning the page or turning a page um and i think that's cb smith i think it is uh, who does that podcast anyway they did a fabulous job at kind of breaking down what was different um so please go listen to that episode it's on youtube you can listen to it probably on they have a podcast as well so i think you can also listen to it on on their feed if you go look up movie dumpster uh but yeah i think that's actually a really good um way of finding out what the differences are of this book there really are um and between that and the movie um they're really uh, the only similarities is that there apparently is a prank um that also happens in the book and that also there's a little bit of like stalkery things happening and then obviously there's some murder too but uh, honestly there isn't much like all the, the names are different and i think the overall story is also fairly different so so, I mean, this is really a name only, probably. And apparently there are, uh, apparently that author does not like this movie, which I don't blame him. But also, I'm just like, it's just different. You know what I mean? I get it. Um, that's not to say that I don't like this movie, necessarily. I will say that I think I gave it a two and a half the last time I watched it. Because when you, uh, for all intents and purposes, like, this film is not exactly... A slam dunk necessarily it's it but it is something where i do look on it with a certain fondness and i actually don't hate watching it or anything um but it, it's just one of those things where you have to go into it and you gotta just like let yourself just experience the movie i mean truly um because you know it, it's a fun watch but like it's not something that's revolutionizing anything you know and um if anything i think urban legend did a little bit better like i think it was a little bit of a better film and that's saying something because urban legend's not my like favorite favorite but like i think juxtaposing these two films i think urban legend kind of wins out in the end um this one at least has like these you know this female cast going for it and this kind of interesting little thing going on with the plot. And I will say also just like the killer and all that is really cool in this too. But like overall, you know, it's not the best movie really. Anyway, enough of all that though. But like, 
Um, yeah, so go check out that video from Movie Dumpster, like I said, um, talking about the differences of the book and the movie. Um, but yeah, so what ended up happening was um, Warner Brothers acquired the rights to that book in 1998. Um, it was actually later then transferred to Artisan Entertainment, and they're the people who did the Bear Lair Witch Project. Um and so producer, like I said, D- uh, Dylan Sellers was supposed to, um, he was he was producing it, which he still technically produced it. But then Wayne and Donna Powers, um, they were a part of it. And then Wayne Powers was actually supposed to direct this, right? Um, so what ended up happening was that the script, the original script had more of a different tone and it was also set in college. Whereas this is set in, I think, think Washington I think it's in Seattle or something I don't quite remember but I think it is um you know and and it had a bit of a different tone and it was set in college um this project then went into turnaround um so it was pretty much in limbo uh to Warner Brothers and then what ended up happening was that so that's why they have a story credit probably is Don and Wayne Powers have the story credit but it was ended up being that this was rewritten by Gretchen and Aaron as I was saying earlier um And Wayne Powers then stepped down as director, um, and so Warner Brothers went to find a new director. uh, And so a little man by the name of Richard Kelly, if you've ever heard of him, uh, he was actually offered the uh, the role of director. However, he didn't end up doing it. Um, instead, he actually wanted to go and uh, make his own film that he wrote and directed himself. And that movie was a little thing called Donnie Darko. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's a small little indie movie, I guess. But... Um, but yeah, so there is an alternate universe where the guy who directed Donnie Darko was offered to direct this movie, Valentine. Um, the world we live in. Anyway. But he was eventually replaced by Jamie Blanks, who by that point had done Urban Legend. Urban Legend was actually a pretty big hit when it came out. It did pretty well financially. Um, so they had that. Um, I will say, though, too, and I really like Jamie Blanks, actually. I would be... I, I, it's not like I really had time. Also, he's in a literal different country, um, so it'd be a little hard. I would love to interview him or like be able to talk to him um, just about his experiences. I'm sure he has talked all sorts of things um, <laughs> to all sorts of people, but about his film and experience and all that. But I really do think he is somebody who is such a fan of the genre and he is such a fan of just horror. And I love that. Um, and he does have a particular ish style because this and urban legend, um, they don't really have much blood in them, um, which is kind of cool. And also like, you know, yeah, they just have, I think this would be a really interesting, like um, double feature urban legend and Valentine. It just makes sense to me. Um, but yeah, so there's that. But yeah, I mean, they found Jamie Blanks. Um, they ended up getting the other folks in this movie as well. So for example, um, Hetty Burris, who plays Ruthie in this movie, uh, she actually auditioned to be the role of, um, Dorothy and actually Tara Reid was considered for that role as well, but it was given to Jessica Capshaw instead. Um, but, uh, Jamie Blanks really liked Hattie Burris and um, thought, oh, hey, like, we still want you to be in the movie. And they ended up kind of coming to the agreement that she would be Ruthie, uh, which would work. 
I also found out uh, that actually, uh, fun little thing, that Hetty Burris was actually involved in um, the production of Jawbreaker, actually. Um, and so she was involved with that, but had to drop out of it, um, unfortunately. And then she was replaced by another actress. <laughs> um, so that was kind of cool. Um, so yeah, I found that out as well. Uh, but anyway, so... Um, yeah, so she was actually supposed to be Fern, and like, uh, she ended up dropping out, and then got replaced by Judy Greer, which is crazy. Uh, but you know, happens. Things happen. <laughs> Jessica Cofield actually went out for Paige though, um, but did not end up um, getting that role. But then she ended up getting the role of um, Lily, uh, and originally Jennifer Love Hewitt was actually supposed to do Paige, but. Which kind of makes sense to me in a little bit of a way, but also, like, she had just done, like, literally two of these movies, like, legitimately. So, I understand why she maybe didn't want to do that. So, I kind of get that, for sure. Um, and so then the actually, if you want to, if you're if if you're so inclined, you can also uh, go on YouTube and you can watch about over an hour and a half, I think it is, of behind the scenes footage of this film um, that was all shot, uh, which is no. Uh, which is no uh, surprise, being that also the same thing was with Urban Legend. There's a lot of back uh, behind the scenes uh, footage from that production as well. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that for Valentine. There's also there. I think you can also get that on the Blu-ray um, if you were to get this because they were both released. Um, this and Urban Legend were both released by Shout Factory. And I think Jamie Blanks was a part of those releases um, and getting all that shit together, which is cool. But this movie was uh, shot in Canada, um, you know, Vancouver, British Columbia. Uh, It commenced on July 10th of 2000. So they shot and they um, shot for probably about 42 days. I think it ended in September. Um, And so David Boreanaz, because he was on a television show, he shot all of his scenes in less than two weeks. And also Catherine Heigl. only had three days to shoot her scenes because she was on Roswell. And funny enough, Gretchen Berg was actually a part of Roswell as well. Um, Roswell as well. Um, And so that all happened. um, And, you know, it kind of all makes sense, I guess. Um, Blanks has later said in an interview, um, he says, quote, forgive me for Valentine. A lot of people give me grief for that, but we did our best. And I really do think that shows. Um, Like I said, I don't think this is like a bad movie necessarily i think it's competently shot and i think it's perfectly it's you know it's a horror movie i can't tell you that it's not however it's just not like the most engaging film necessarily but it's one of these things where you know even with that there is still something to it where i think you can get a level of enjoyment out of it um even if you're just following these characters and you're just kind of like, oh, hell, I want to see some of them die. You know what I mean? Or like whatever. Um, So yeah, there's that as well. But yeah, so, and then like the release of this movie. So in promotion, uh, the official Warner Brothers website 
uh, had digital e-card valentines that you could send to people via email. Um, and also, like, uh, the so, 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 so uh, like, David Boreanaz and Catherine Heigl, who were on Angel and Roswell at the time, they went to the Los Angeles Comic Book and Science Fiction Festival um, to also kind of promote this movie a little bit as well, since they were both part of these things that would have those kinds of fan bases. Um and so yeah, I already talked about the budget and stuff like that. And um I already talked about like the the return on the money. So there's that. Um yeah, so the consensus for this movie critically is that Valentine is basically a formulaic throwback to conventional pre-scream slasher Felix. Critics says that um it doesn't offer enough suspense or scares to justify its addition to the genre, which I don't really completely agree with because yes, I do think that there is, I don't think that's a bad thing though. I don't think that it is bad that this is kind of feels like a, you know, it feels like a, uh, it does feel like a pre-scream slasher a little bit, but it also is so heavily influenced by something like that. Do you know what I mean? So I don't know. I, I think it's just part of that post-scream kind of wave, if you will. Um, and it, this is kind of, to me, and I think to a lot of other people, it is the last one that is really there. Um, because I don't think there was a ton more after this that were so specifically, like, really post-scream. Um, like, truly. So there's that. Um but yeah, so there's that. It was it was perfectly okay. Um, so like Mick LaSalle from the San Francisco Chronicle, he gave a middling review, um, likening uh, the movie to a 80s style slasher film, but praised the performances. Uh, writing, quote, Valentine isn't scary, but it is unsettling, not ultimately satisfying, but arresting in the moment. Part of the credit has to go to the ensemble. The actresses are vivid, and the characters they play are clearly delineated. Ben Falk of the PBC gave the uh, two out of five for this film, saying, quote, let's face it, we all know what's going to happen. And director Blanks offers up few surprises. There's the host of red herrings, of which none really bite, creative deaths, girls running around screaming, and then being incredibly thick, but a distinct lack of gratuitous nudity, which would have at least brightened up the landscape. And again, I think that has to do with Jamie Blanks as just a director. He is not somebody who uses gratuitous nudity or violence like that. Um, so you're not going to get that in this movie, um, which is kind of appreciated, really. Because um, even when you have like Denise Richards like in the fucking hot tub, right? Like, But it's not super gratuitous. It could have been way worse. Um, have you seen Wild Things? I mean, I love wild things. Don't get me wrong, but you get what I'm saying. Kevin Thomas of the Los Angeles Times um, actually gave the film a positive review, calling the film, quote, smart, stylish horror picture that offers a fresh twist on the ever-reliable revenge theme and affords a raft of talented young actors solid roles that show them to advantage. Um, and then Dennis Harvey of Variety gave like a mixed review, noting, looking good but lacking much in the way of personality or gray matter, rather like its characters. Valentine is a straightforward slasher pick that there's acceptably scary until a week finale. And I will say that I do think the finale is not exactly the best in this film. Um, this is my thought. Um, yeah, I don't really like it either. Um, I, I don't love the, uh, the end of this movie. Uh, Maitland McDonough um, of TV Guide. You might remember her from being in like the original 100 scariest movie moments. Um, 
So she was a fun person to see. But she gave this a one out of five, calling the film a throwback to a formulaic holiday themed stock and slash picture of the early 80s. But why it took four writers to adapt this uh, Tom Savage's generic genre novel is thoroughly baffling. Um, And that's kind of also the critique I've heard of the novel is that it's just like very basic. Um, and also, so Elvis Mitchell of the New York Times uh, also felt that the film was formulaically structured, writing, the worst kind of mystery is one in which nobody cares who the killer is. Even the cast of Valentine doesn't seem that concerned, and their fictional lives are at stake. When it's hard to hear the dialogue because the audience is laughing, it's clear that Valentine doesn't even succeed on its own limited terms. And then in a 2015 retrospective review, the online horror publication Icons of Fright published a retrospective review of the film, defending the spirit of the film and its thematic handlings, uh, handling of the holiday's mythical aspects. So go check out Icons of Feet Right and see what they said. I did not read that article, but you know what? I'm going to. Um, see, there you go. <laughs> But yeah, I think that this movie, I do kind of agree with some of this. Like, I think there are parts of it that are cool. Like the hills are cool and there's some, there's some cool stuff in it. However, the, it's pretty weak by the end. And also you, you see the ending come from like a mile away. Uh, But yeah, but we'll go through a little bit of the plot of this movie. If you'd like me to do that, if you don't already know, so buckle in. So at a junior high school, St. Valentine's Day dance in 1988, San Francisco. So I think this takes place, I guess, in San Francisco. I See, I was close. I at least got the West Coast. There you go. Um, Jeremy Melton, an outcast student, asks four popular girls to dance. The first three girls, Shelly, Lily, and Paige, who, by the way, Paige played uh, the young Paige, literally looks like a like literal Denise Richards. Like She literally looks like a young version of Denise Richards. So whoever you are, girl, good for you um they reject him spitefully and cruelly while the fourth girl kate politely responds maybe later um their rich friend dorothy accepts jeremy's invitation and they proceed to make out underneath the bleachers of the um gym and when the school bully joe tolga and his pals discover them uh, dorothy falsely claims jeremy sexually assaulted her joe and his pals publicly strip and severely beat jeremy and his nose starts bleeding under the distress it is later revealed that jeremy has been expelled and eventually transferred to reform school in juvenile hall due to Lily, Paige, Shelley, and Joe testifying against him for unwanted sexual advances towards Dorothy and then ended up in a state-run mental institution. So I think that was kind of a bit of a similarity of the book is that the book is about a killer who we don't know who it is quite yet. Um, And so he ended up like... uh, he has this prank happen to him in college pretty much. And then from there after that, he gets expelled. He then goes on this whole spree and he ends up being a killer. Um, so that's kind of like a little bit of, of the same in the book, but not, not like a one-to-one or anything. 13 years later in 2001, Joe and his pals have died in uncertain known circumstances and Shelly now a medical student at UCLA is at the morgue one evening studying for her medical exam. She also went on a really bad date beforehand um, with a guy named Jason 
anyway, so then after receiving um, a threatening Valentine's card in her locker, Shelly discovers someone has taken the place of the cadaver that they've been dissecting. After being attacked by someone in a trench coat and Cupid mask, uh, Shelly is cornered in a cooler where she attempts to hide in a body bag, but the killer finds her before slitting her throat and the killer's nose bleeds as she dies, which I will say this beginning part um, is really fucking good, actually. I think it's very tense and it's very well done. I think that yeah, it's really fucking good. Like that's my opinion. Um, so that's kind of a standout scene to me in this movie is that beginning part. Um, and also just the way that this, like, uh, this guy looks like the, uh, the guy who played this role of the killer. Um, he was actually one of the producer's sons, I believe it he was. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, another thing too, that I also, uh, got from an interview that I found from Jamie Blanks. Uh, he was being asked about this film. And uh, one of the things was that he was really upset with how much people got hurt on this set. And I think that was not because he was trying to have an unsafe set, but I think it was because of like maybe some of the producers as well. Um, that was also what was kind of happening. And, you know, there was there was some people who were not maybe ensuring that there was the safe set going on, and as the director, he was getting kind of pissed about that, which which makes sense. Um, also, I'd like to bring up too that apparently, so Gretchen and Aaron, who are the writers of this movie, so like, uh, you know, they've gone on and and done whatever, uh, but apparently they also were kind of assholes like when they were on Star Trek. So like they recently just were part of doing like writing Star Trek, like one of the TV shows of that. Um, but apparently they had both got fired off of there because apparently they were just like super, apparently there was some infighting going on. Um, Aaron being the queen that he is was like yelling at somebody or something like that. So, you know, I thought I would just mention that for funsies. Anyway, so at Shelly's funeral, um, her friends, Kate, played by Marley Shelton, Lily, played by Jessica Cofield, Paige, played by Denise Richards, and Dorothy, played by Jessica Capshaw, are questioned um, by this guy who's a detective. Um, they admit to not having seen her in some time after she moved from San Francisco to Los Angeles. And so Paige, Lily, and Dorothy subsequently receive threatening Valentine's cards, each assigned JM. So Dorothy gets one where it's like, um, roses are red, violets are blue, they'll need uh, dental records to identify you or something. Um <clears throat> And so that's super fun. Um, and then also Paige and Lily, uh, they Lily's card comes with a box of chocolates that she gets, which she finds and she eats one and they're filled with maggots. So that's also a really boss scene as well. Oh my fucking God. It was disgusting, uh, but it was like really, really cool though. Um, so it was an iconic scene. This is like also where they're like doing speed dating on video or something. So they're watching because that's like a theme throughout is that they're trying to find dates for this like upcoming uh, like Valentine's Day dance and or, or like a party. Sorry, it's a party. And so at because at, um, fucking Dorothy's rich as shit. And anyway, so. That all happens. And then uh, Dorothy's boyfriend, who she met in yoga class uh, for like a month, uh, loses his apartment and he temporarily moves in uh, with her at her father's large mansion. Um, Also, her father is like getting with like this young girl who's younger than her, I think. And um, she says something. What does she say? She... um, 
kids like kind of like is going to be her stepmom or something or is kind of like that and she calls her a mail order bride from hell which i thought was really fun um oh my god so hilarious also campbell is super fucking gay in this movie i will say too um my god like he he really like he comes off a little bit like that a little bit and also i'm just like girl you've been at yoga class so what are you doing anyway sorry to the straight guys who do yoga i guess but bitch where anyway so uh as the girls uh, attend the an exhibit for lily's artist boyfriend max played by johnny whitworth um they meet campbell's uh bitter ex-girlfriend ruthie played by hetty burris uh, who accuses him of being a con artist and she t- he pr- took money from her um lily becomes lost in the exhibit um and the killer appears um who proceeds to then shoot her repeatedly with arrows until she falls several floors into a dumpster um and all of these deaths also coincide with what they said to Jeremy at this high, at this like little junior high dance. So like, um, I guess like, for example, like, uh, Shelly said something about in your dreams, loser. And then she dies like in a body bag, like whatever. Uh, she, uh, Lily, I think says just like, ew. Um, and then she dies getting thrown in the trash. Um, and then also, like, Paige says something about being boiled alive, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, but, yeah, so there's that. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. And then, oh, so when they have not heard from Lily, the others assume that she's in Los Angeles on a work trip, which also happened to Jessica Cofield, because if you've ever seen Urban Legends Final Cut, which is also in that movie, um, if you've ever seen that movie, people just assume that Sandra was at uh, it was in, like, fucking L.A. on a job or something. And I was like, no, she's not. She's dead. Um, spoiler for uh, Urban Legends 2, but whatever. It's fine. It all comes back. It all comes back, okay? Anyway, so then, so, um, upon contacting the police, they agree that the culprit may be Jeremy Melton, and the police disclose Jeremy, um, Jeremy's parents were engulfed in a house fire, and, uh, Kate finds all information about Jeremy's old persona is erased. Um, so then Dorothy admits to Kate and Paige that she lied about Jeremy to avoid embarrassment because, uh, she was a bigger girl she was the fat girl quote-unquote that's what they that's literally the terminology they use so there's that and so yeah she lied that's not cool um please don't lie about being assaulted but you know she did that to avoid embarrassment even though i'm like girl like you're rich as hell like what the hell you know what i mean anyway uh kate's neighbor gary who she there's also a scene too as well so it's before this guy dies but there's a scene before where like something goes on because i also don't know what any of these girls do except for uh except for shelly who's a medical student and then you have fucking um kate who's a journalist that's how she knows adam anyway so i do not know like what the fuck else these women do like lily and Paige, like they're roommates apparently but like what do they do for a job no idea um and then also like dorothy is just independently rich rich from her family so like whatever i was like how the hell do lily and Paige have that like nice ass apartment in san francisco bitch i'm just saying but whatever anyway so but yeah gary uh oh but there was a scene where uh 
Kate's something's fucked up in her like uh her her water's fucked up or like the water's off or something like that even though she like paid her water bill and shit but anyway so like she has to like dunk her head in like the toilet um so that she can like wash her hair before she goes to work or whatever anyway so then you also see that there's a scene where like she finds this like cupid mask like in the elevator like um between the elevator doors or whatever and this is where you meet gary and he like is fucking leprechaun apparently he's the fucking like little leprechaun warwick davis and being like fucking (laughs) he's like um all of his things are like um he's really into kate or whatever and he's like saying you know i think you're great kate i wish you'd be my mate kate and then i love how she responds she's like you're scary, Gary. And I love that slide so much. Anyway. So anyway, so fucking weird ass Gary is apparently like kind of, a uh, you know, f- cross dresser, I guess. Um, and he's like, um, breaking into our apartment to like steal her underwear. Um, but anyway, so this killer catches Gary doing this and he beats him with an iron and it's really fucking awesome. It's really not graphic at all, but it's fucking cool. And that was another scene that like really stuck out to me. I was like, bitch, what the fuck? That's crazy. Anyway, moving on. Um, as Valentine's Day approaches, Dorothy is planning a party at her family's estate. And on the mer- morning of the party, um, the killer murders Campbell with an axe in the basement. Um, which is funny. And it's not funny. But, like, so Campbell, we they failed to mention that Campbell is literally actually a con artist. So Ruthie was not wrong because literally like you see a scene of Campbell trying to literally wire money into his account, um, from Dorothy's like riches or whatever. Right. So like, he he is a fucking con artist he is probably gay he also has a scene in here where like he couldn't get it up for her um and so all of that stuff so i'm like bitch i mean you're like 20 something years old like you tell me you can't get a boner for this chick like whatever anyway um you're probably gay um whatever it's fine (laughs) but he gets murdered with an axe bitch and it's it's actually pretty cool um So then the others assume that he has simply left Dorothy angering her, to which Dorothy believes that they are jealous and they still see her as the fat girl of the group, quote unquote. Um, She confesses that Jeremy never assaulted her. I thought we already kind of talked about that, but whatever. After coming to the party to confront Dorothy with the truth about Campbell, um, Ruthie is then thrown um, through a shower window by the killer who then impales her neck on the glass, which is kind of boss, actually. Um... And at the party, uh, Paige is then attacked and trapped in a hot um, tub by the killer. The killer then impales her on the shoulder with like an electric drill before throwing it into the um, water, electrocuting her. But this is before they leave out all these things where you see Denise Richards dancing the house down. And also the other thing, too, and we're going to get to it in a minute. Um, I promise Adam's in this movie, too. And we'll talk about him in a minute because um, they haven't mentioned any of this. But OK, fine. So, yeah, but they don't talk about how Paige has, I think that fucking, um, it's some guy, either it's Jay, it's not Jason, because I thought he got, like, arrested or something for, like, that murder for, you know, Shelly or whatever, um, or they brought him in for questioning or some shit, but I think it was that or, like, um, 
some guy just like takes um Paige because she's Denise Richards and like takes her up to this bedroom and just shows her his penis. Now, granted, listen, as a gay, I love penis, but like you know, you just uh, but you can't do that to Denise Richards, okay? You really can't. And so anyway, so like she is just like that's what you came up here to show me like what the hell so she like actually kind of because she's like because Paige is a bad bitch rest in peace queen but like she actually like um is like okay well let's do a little something so she like ties him to the bed and all this stuff and then she takes a hot candle and she puts wax on his dick so that's how you do it uh what an icon we love her anyway rest in peace girl Anyway, so then um, the party disintegrates after uh, the power gets cut off from this fucking electrocution, I guess. And Dorothy and Kate argue over who the killer is. Um, Kate claims that Campbell could be a suspect because they don't know anything about him or where he is because he only knew her for a month. It's fucking crazy. Do not just try not to just like, you know date somebody and like have them move in after a month i don't know that's that's the best idea dude but whatever i can't tell you what to do you have way more money than i'll ever have um anyway so then dorothy counters by accusing adam okay finally adam kate's boyfriend or on and off boyfriend really um and he's a recovering alcoholic um who is also a journalist like her um so yeah they're also saying oh it could be adam or whatever right so after being told by max um that lily did not arrive in los angeles as planned um kate believes that she is probably dead and calls detective vaughn who's this really gross like detective that they've been working through it the whole time and also like tries to tell something about Paige of like we have to do some of the sexual tension and then Paige is all just like um officer can you kindly release your hand for my thigh um men are gross but anyway so then uh yeah let's see after dialing the number she follows the sound of a ringtone outside the house and she discovers vaughn's severed head in the pond um and then kate becomes convinced that adam is jeremy now unrecognizable after facial surgery and goes back into the house only to find adam is waiting for her um to her surprise he asks her to dance and kate becomes frightened and flees she runs through the house discovering dorothy's room is trashed and Paige and ruthie's corpses um she then locates a gun but the cupid masked killer jumps out from the darkness and sends them both tumbling down a staircase uh the killer arises and is then shot by adam so again we are thinking like oh my god like you know adam must be the killer or whatever but then we're like oh no maybe he's not that's great and so as a shocked and confused Kate apologizes profusely, Adam pulls off the killer's mask to reveal Dorothy. So apparently it was Dorothy this whole time. Adam forgives Kate, explaining childhood trauma that um, can lead to lifelong anger, and that some people are eventually forced to act on that anger, referring to Dorothy. Um, cause apparently she went through trauma for being a fat girl. Okay. Um, and, uh, uh, t- whatever anyway sorry um so then uh as kate and adam wait for the police to arrive they hug and adam says that he has always loved her and the moments later when kate closes her eyes adam's nose begins to bleed revealing that he is actually jeremy melton and also the actual killer having knocked out dorothy and put her in the costume um, who set everything up to ruin dorothy's reputation and exact revenge he killed the girls corresponding um to the words that offended him 13 years ago except for kate who was the only nice one um from the beginning 
So then that is the plot of Valentine. Um, but yeah, I mean, I did go over some of the other scenes that I kind of liked through this movie. I mean, like the fucking art gallery scene is so weird because like they're walking through this like maze or something. And it's just a bunch of these like videos of like these people saying, love me. And like, it's just really fucking weird or whatever. But I did talk about like some of the scenes I was like really interested in and that I liked, you know, that was like super fun. Um, but yeah, no, there are some like little standout scenes. Um, the goriest it gets is with Ruthie's death, which I thought was actually pretty boss and pretty well done. Um, and I also like with Gary getting beat with the iron. That was always a fun one, too. Um, but yeah. And then in terms of like the casting or like, or not the casting, but like the, the, yeah, girl, Chelsea Burgett or Burgat or something, Burgart. Uh, yeah, girl, you look like Denise Richards when you were young. So, girl, good for you. Um, there's not much to say about these characters, to be honest, though. They are fairly one note, um, as I think I said on my uh, episode for what did I do last week? I've got Nurse 3D. Yeah. Like, this movie, it it took four writers to write this. So let's just say, I don't think they had, like, the most depth to them. You know what I mean? Um, Everybody does do a really cool job, though. I really do think that even with the material they were given, like, I do think generally, like, they didn't do the worst at these roles. I just think that they were very underwritten. And they just weren't all that interesting. Um in terms of the actual script, but the people doing the acting, I mean, to make a long story short, I just think the actresses like really do something for this movie. Um, as opposed to, you know, what's actually on the page. I, so I watched this back in 2022 in April. Um, cause it was on, I think like to be, it comes on Tubi every so often, but it was on Shutter for a minute. Um, I said, uh, I just quoted where it said, uh, she just called me a mail order bride from hell, which is what the one, um, which is what the stepmother girl who's like 20 says to like um, Dorothy or whatever. And then also I said, I also love how Denise Richards is just in Marley Shelton's bathroom in that one scene. Yeah. That was another scene I really liked too, where it was like, um, literally like marley shelton like comes home um kate comes home and then she's like um she left her iron on or something and she always leaving her iron on that stupid bitch kate but anyway so like um yeah but denise richards is just literally like in the bathroom she's just like hanging out and i just really love that it was so silly and stupid and then also uh the denise richards candle wax scene is hashtag gay rights i did say that as well and i um you know i I uh fully support it. <laughs> I I uh I believe it, you know. There you go. Um I'm looking at some other like fun Apparently there's also like a like extended cut a little bit of this movie because I think Warner Brothers kind of cut it down a bit. You know, they yeah, they kind of cut it down more so. Um which is whatever. Um yeah, it looks like from who I follow on on the letterboxed, the boxed, if you will. Um, it's kind of like middling of just like threes and, you know, maybe an occasional four here and there. Um, 
you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, so I think with this movie in particular, if anything, oh my God, the trailer came up. Sorry, my I was looking on my phone and then I accidentally hit the trailer button. Um, so I was like, oh no. But anyway, so, but with this film, like, again, when it comes down to it, like, this movie is very much a film that was inspired by by these post scream slasher films and was, you know, kind of going back to a little bit of that holiday quote holiday horror, if you will, um, which I'm not mad at, you know, um, apparently Thanksgiving is coming on Netflix soon. And, you know, even though spyglass fucking sucks or whatever, am I probably going to watch that? Most likely, um, you know, and like, I love a good, the holiday themed horror here and there, you know, I- I'll eat that shit up. So, if anything, I think that Valentine, you know, it went through, uh, it was an admirable, you know, uh, production, I think. Um, Jamie Blanks is not a terrible director or anything like that. Um, I just think that maybe some of the stuff that he's done, uh, again, like maybe it's not like the most deep thing in the world. Do you know what I mean? But like, I also think like both of these films, both urban legend and Valentine, I think have some fun to be had there. And is really just kind of this, you know, I guess quote throwback to, to slashers, you know, um, which I think was cool. This is also pre torture porn, like in the two thousands. So like, this is just something where I think people can get a, a level of, of something out of this. Um, and I, I do think that if anything, they tried to make this story and it went through a bunch of different writers, um, which is kind of why it, it is the way it is probably. But like, I think overall, like this movie did mean a little something to me. Like I remember watching it as a kid and I, it stuck with me. I always remember like the, the mask of the killer. I always remember like certain scenes of this movie. Um, and there is something about this that, you know, I'm, I'm a sucker for, you know, a female led horror film, you know, obviously, I mean, horror itself has so many female leads. Um, but I, I'm always down for like, I'm always down for, for these kinds of films a lot of the time. And even if they're not like the best, like I still tend to enjoy them in some way. Um, I'm not going to lie and say I don't. So, um, there is some merit. I think I oscillate between the two and a half and three. I'd probably give this a three or something, um, on a next viewing or whatever. You know, and who knows, maybe I'll even be that like basic, not basic bitch, but like maybe I'll even kind of, but like maybe I'll do and I'll just like get the Blu-ray, the Blu-ray of it. You know what I mean? I already own the Urban Legend one, so I might as well just like finish out my little, my little collection of it and then have both of these films because why not? Um, But yeah, but that's a little bit about, you know, that's about Valentine and all of that. Um and so if you want to watch this film, um, currently it's not streaming anywhere this month, which is crazy, but it's not streaming anywhere for free, which is kind of what I would want you to do. Um, if you want to rent it though, go ahead and pull up on it. You can find it wherever, you know, I think it's on YouTube and like Apple TV and like all that stuff. Um, you can find it on Tubi every so often. It does live on Tubi every so often, which is cool. Um, and then also, uh, it was on shutter before. So who knows? Shutter might come up and pull up again. Um, I'm surprised that like, 
I don't know that it's not already all, it's not going to be on there because they already put out their stuff of what's going to be streaming on February. Um, but who knows? Maybe they'll surprise us or something and they'll be like, "Ooh, bitch, like Joe Bob's actually doing this. You know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe they will. But um, so, yeah, I would definitely pull up on this if you're into these kinds of slashers. Um, this is like not a super horror, gory slasher. You know what I mean? But I do think it, it has a level of fun to it. Um, and it is at least worth a watch. You know, it's a movie that is just it's a fun little time capsule of 2001 before the whole world changed and shit you know what i mean uh like this is a pre-2009-11 movie you know and all that so i would at least pull up on it once if you've never seen it before for sure um and also pull up on jamie blanks he seems like a cool dude uh support what he does uh i really like him maybe i'll follow him on instagram like that'd be fun if he has an instagram or twitter i think i'm gonna follow him i think he has a twitter so but uh anyway yeah but that's a little bit about valentine for you it's my episode for the valentine's day um you know season the day all that um you know, I guess if you're listening to this, I hope you had a good Valentine's Day. However you do that, whether it is you're watching Valentine or you're watching my bloody Valentine or whatever you're doing, um, you know, cool for you. Um, but uh, with all that being said, um, you can follow the show Cult Cinema Circle on social media on Instagram, I'm at Cult Cinema Circle, and then on Twitter slash X, I'm at Cult Cinema Circle, and then on Letterboxd, I'm at Jesse J E S S E Kremp K R E M P, all one word. And then, um, if you just look up Cult Cinema Circle, I'm sure you'll find me as well. Um, right now, I am working on um, doing some of the other episodes as well, so you're going to be seeing um, uh, some other stuff coming out uh which is cool um and please you know rate uh comment subscribe uh rate five stars on apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts you know go and rate me good uh give a one to two sentence review maybe to like tell me how you like it uh tell me how you like the show uh you can email me at cult cinema circle at gmail.com if you want to give me movie recommendations give me feedback on the show you want to come be a guest whatever i'm open to all of it or just say hey um but yeah And so for next week, we're going to be doing a little movie from 1995 called Party Girl. Uh, This movie is uh, Parker Posey Vehicle, uh, where she plays a girl named Mary, who's like this uh, party girl in uh, mid-90s New York. And so she gets uh, put in jail for having an illegal party. She then gets uh, bailed out by her godmother, Judy. And then as part of a way to pay back that bail money, she gets a job at the library. And she goes on this whole like self-discovery journey and self-acceptance and uh, changing the ways that she has all uh, serving fashionable looks and hanging out with people in the club scene and queer people and all that fun stuff and it has a really cool soundtrack and I really enjoy it and I'm going to have a nice guest named Bobby Master Um, we've been getting out about stuff over Instagram so it'll be nice to um, it was nice to have that conversation with him and uh, just talk about how wonderful the movie is so that's what you have to look forward to next week and and then the week after, I'm going to be doing a little movie that's celebrating uh, an anniversary. Uh, so it'll be really fun as well to, to cover. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but as always, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast. And remember, um, 
He loves your trust fund. Trust me. Take care. Bye.